So the only experience I have with rock matching was that time where we were at the Kansas City Bond Spiel and we were playing this team of kind of younger, which at the time I was younger, team of younger-ish team and we're shaking hands with them pre-game and you come skating up and you point at two rocks and go, I want that one and that one. And you skate away without saying anything else. And I'm pretty sure it was just to get in their heads, which it absolutely did. Um, And the other thing is those rocks had inserts, so it did not matter. (laughs) But you basically... Uh, No, they were... Okay, so though I remember those stones. So Kansas City had also the other thing is it didn't matter because at the time in kansas city now has a dedicated club uh at the time that was the worst curling ice in the world <laughs> it was, okay it was not great curling ice. okay so here's the thing it had kansas and i'm not we don't want to trash kansas city curling club it's a great club it's a fra- favorite place to spiel i love kc curling club but as a very plucky arena club, the way they got their stones, they basically went around and found every single stone they could available. And so there, the granite wasn't matched. But so they had, had inserts. So no, because even- they didn't all have it. I remember this very well. They were like, oh, they have inserts. And then I was like, I played the first game. And I was like, what is going on with these stones? Because they, uh, they had like blue treffer, they had blue home, they had treffer, yeah. which is like the, the yep. darker greenish crap. And then they had that, whatever the pinkish one is. There's like this pinkish granite that's like, I can't, it's like Kichi or I can't remember. I used to know all the different granite types. Anyway, someone can write in and tell me the correct pronunciations. But they had the pink one, they had the dark green one, they had the blue hone, yep. which makes for like, the blue hone makes like the fantastic running surface, but yes. soft in pits, right? Yes. So, um, and this running surface were not matched. Because <laughs> remember the first game, they were like, oh yeah, don't worry, they all got red inserts, right? And then I some, somehow I ended up with one of those pink stones, and it was like this is not doesn't have a running surface, and it's slow AF, right? So <laughs> uh, I was like, no, I went and found the two blue hone because I like how those run, and I was just like, I'm just gonna play the blue hone stones. The rest, of the yeah. Game. You came up, you came up and picked those two stones, and yeah, in yeah. hindsight, it did not matter because they had inserts. The ice was terrible, and we were intoxicated. We were drunk, but I think we won that game. <laughs> yeah, we did, because you got in their head. Yes, because I knew how to match stones. <laughs> it was that's just... not even like, it's not like matching stones like, oh, I think this thing curls six inches more. This is like <laughs> fundamentally different granite that runs like 10 feet different. This was not like, it's not stone matching. It's just like uh... looking at the color of the rocks. Don't play the pink ones. <laughs> no, leave those for the second. <laughs> <laughs> leave the pink ones for Ryan. you're listening to rocks across the pond the curling podcast that goes around the globe looking for the best stories in the world's coolest sport we have curling news and views for everyone, whether you're playing in your Thursday league or following your favorite teams on tour. Now here are your hosts, Ryan McGee and our professor of Peel, Jonathan Havercroft. Hey everybody, welcome to Rocks Across the Pond. It's a curling podcast. 
Coming to you from Richmond, Virginia, my name is Ryan McGee, and joining me in Southampton, England, is our professor of Peel, Jonathan Havercroft. Jonathan, how are you today? I'm doing all right, Ryan. I am leaving for the English Championships in 36 hours. Wow. Exciting? It is exciting. I'm excited for you all. Thanks, man. Hopefully, uh, hopefully you guys come back with some hardware. I'll be rooting for you. Thanks. Sometimes you don't root for me. No, this is true. <laughs> <laughs> it's not so much that I'm rooting for you. It's that I'm rooting for Joe Sugden. I, I root for Joe Sugden too. <laughs> so I would say I, I would say that that's more. Uh, are we going to be able to watch this? Since you know, I, since I can't watch the Scotties, am I going to be able to watch you at the English Championships live from the? I assume it's at the Dumfries Bowl this year. It's at the Dumfries Ice Bowl as always, and I've got some exciting late breaking news. One, I emailed Jerry Gertz, and I think I got a setup on Curling Zone, so there you can follow the scores on Curling Zone. And two, reliable sources tell me that you'll be able to watch the English Curling Championship through. The recast app, your favorite way for watching curling. (laughs) You seem disappointed. (laughs) That's because I'm not going to be able to watch any of the games. (laughs) You know, you remember when like Netflix first went to streaming and you could like watch everything on Netflix for streaming and like nobody had figured that out. And then (laughs) then Paramount and all the big movie studios figured out maybe we should let them do that for free. Yeah. We've kind, of kind of reached that, that, we've reached that point in curling. We've reached that moment in curling, like the yeah. glory days of just what, being able to watch anything streamed anywhere, anytime is gone, and now it's all going back behind a paywall. Yeah, Even, that would, I mean that 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 follows that follows the path. That's yeah, that mirrors yeah. reality. Even even Team Retchless live streams are now behind a paywall. Man, that's usually because I I thought the Dumfries Ice Bowl was part of the curling stadium deal where you could see literally every sheet at Dumfries Ice Bowl I don't on know. you on the YouTubes. That's above my pay grade. Okay, so it's going to be on recast. All right, so there you uh, go. English curling if champions. I, if I spend, all right, how does it work? If I buy the game and I share it on Facebook, can everyone on Facebook then watch it? Or no. How does it work then? How can I get you to watch it? Um. You would have to buy it and then give me your recast password. Oh, I ain't giving you my password. Okay. Well, then I'm not going to be, I'm not going to watch the games. <laughs> you could spend 50 cents. <sighs> are we going to, no. are we going to have this conversation? No, we're not I having this. I think Ryan, All right, so Jonathan, go... fans of the show, real right. fans, not Ryan, may want to spend 50 cents to watch us, but. Jonathan, go back to, I don't know, any of the other 12 times that you and I have had this conversation on this podcast and just listen to my comments before. I thought you liked it. And I was the one who was like, this app's not that great. No, no, no. It's the opposite. (laughs) All right. Okay. So... That's we're we're not here to discuss streaming. This is like this entire podcast is about watching curling. Your favorite streams. podcast talked about streaming. Anyway, <laughs> Jonathan, we have a su- we have an actual like plot and subject today, and we're yeah, you're you're the one trying to derail us. Usually, it's me trying to derail us. Now it's you. 
yeah. there is there is a theme to this podcast today, and that is rock matching. Yeah, rock matching. All right, what do you what do you think about rock matching, and what do you know about it? What do I know about it? Um, I'm going to say nothing uh, because the two the two clubs that I've played in, there's absolutely no point in attempting rock matching. I just know that the general purpose is you want to know. Uh, you want to know what the differences are between the rocks in a certain set. Now, matching would mean, okay, you want the two rocks that a player is going to throw to do the exact same thing. I do know for a fact that there are some teams that their preference is the thrower to have one straight rock and one one rock that maybe curls a little bit more. Um, but that's kind of... that. Basically, rock matching is charting and knowing what the differences are between a certain between any of the rocks in a certain set. Am I on, am I on to something yeah. there? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think, okay. The first thing I'm going to say is for most people, you should not worry about stone matching. I, this is one of these episodes where I think it's, I, I think it's great. We're going to have, we have a fantastic guest who we'll introduce in a second to talk about it. Uh, but it's also the kind of thing that I've seen people become obsessed about when, the real reason the stones are behaving badly is because the release is crap. So step one is fix your release. And one thing that was something that I learned in this interview that you had while, uh, while I was under anesthesia was that if you don't know your teammates release, or if everyone's releases on a team are different, then rock matching really doesn't matter. Yeah. So, okay. So I think this is like a, I think if you're playing in a competitive team and you have a pretty stable set of slides and you've got all your releases, you've worked with a coach and you're fairly confident that everyone's throwing the stones consistently, then stone matching something you should worry about. But from experience, I know that there are far more invented problems with stones than actual problems <laughs> with stones. Let's put it that way. And really, if you're... If you're a club level team or a competitive club level team, like rock, rock matching should be thing number like 97 on your checklist. Yeah, maybe 97. You know, it's like a low priority. Although I, I would say that like, if we're going to, you know, talk about this a bit more, I'd say that maybe starting with trying to match stones at your club is a good way to begin getting into this idea. So, you know, if you have a team and you want to, you know, building what we're talking about today is going to be, do you want to just introduce our guest first and then kind of unpack sure. it? Sure. Okay. So our guest today is Ling Hung, who plays for Team Hong Kong. And she actually plays, at the moment, she's playing like all disciplines she's eligible for, which is amazing. So she's skip of the women's team, plays on the world mixed team, plays in the mixed doubles team with Jason Chang, who's been on the podcast, and is also playing in this year's world seniors. So She's playing everything. That's incredible. <laughs> uh, she is a coder by trade. And so she has written a app that's available on the App Store. So it's available for iOS and Apple devices. That is a stone matching book, a rock matching book. So she's invented an app that helps curlers keep records of all the stones they use at the different places they go to. Okay. So I would say a good place to start if you want to experiment with this is at your home club. 
Like you should, you know, have a good sense of what what the stones do. Often there's lore at clubs. Like someone will say, oh, red five is bad, right? Um, I would set all that aside and just test them yourself. And then maybe have somebody else test them and from your team and then compare notes separately. Because there's, there's a subjective part to it, as Ling says. So one thing we like to do is kind of, when every team I've been on is have multiple people test and then kind of cross check their notes rather than just be like, Oh, that's because if you can start thinking, it's almost like a placebo effect. Like if you start thinking that a stone's bad and you tell everyone the stone's bad, everyone will think that stone's bad. All right. So let's get into your interview with Ling and learn the kind of the beginner's guide to, to rock matching. Today, our guest is Ling Hung who plays, you're the skip of the Hong Kong women's team, correct? Yes, I am. And you've also played mixed doubles with Jason Chang? Yes, and I also play mixed with Jason Chang. Oh, yeah, mixed too. That's how we know each other from the world mix. So you play a lot internationally for Hong Kong. Yep, and, you know, uh, and hopefully this year I'm supposed to be going to Korea to play seniors too. Oh, fantastic. Okay, so you've had a lot of international competition this year. I will have (laughs) quite a bit, (laughs) yes. All right. So I want to start today with the question we start for all our guests. So where are you from and what was it like growing up there? Okay. So I was born in Hong Kong, but I moved to Canada when I was two. So so I was I grew up in Canada. And um, as a kid, I always watched Curling uh, uh, on TV, but actually never played it when I was a child. Okay. So, so. where in Canada did you grow up then? Um, in Ontario, uh, I was, uh, most, I would say mostly in Ottawa, um, cause, uh, I moved to Ottawa when, uh, I was in grade five and I haven't actually moved away. Okay. And so how did you, uh, so you said you watched curling on TV when you were a kid. How did you start curling? Um, I was introduced to curling on real ice. Uh, in my second year of university, uh, and I was introduced to, to it by my now husband and coach Rick Collins. His um, his family is like a curling family, you know. His mom and dad they taught curling. They were they were you know uh, uh, very much volunteering and doing a lot of stuff for their curling club, and the whole family curls. So yeah, that's how I got into it. And so. Uh, so how long were you, so how, so you started when you were like in, in university age. So when did you start playing for Hong Kong? I started playing for Hong Kong, um, 2016. Um, I happened to read that, uh, Hong Kong had been accepted into the WCF. And so I reached out to the association and, you know, asking about, uh, eligibility requirements and, you know, trying to see if I was eligible. I've had, uh, I, I think uh, I was in one of those little moods when I was reading about it because I, you know, I've done a lot of, uh, or I tried to do competitive curling in Ontario and with not a lot of success. So I figured, hey, maybe, you know, try something new. Okay. <laughs> and so, so you're, you're basically playing every single event you can, I think, right? Is that uh, this year or is that by design or? Well, there aren't that many uh, 
uh, Hong Kong uh, born curlers um, uh, in the world. Uh, and so, yeah, I, you know, um, I've worked really hard to, uh, uh, to hone my skills. And so, you know, uh, I'm available and I, I can afford it. And so, and I really love to do it. So. Yeah. Did you have a favorite discipline since you're playing, like you're playing mixed, mixed doubles and, and women. So, and seniors. So. Well, I don't, I can't talk about seniors because I haven't uh, actually done that yet. Um, I, I do like mixed. Mixed is always the, fun, the most fun. So what is it about the mix that you like the most? Like... <laughs> um, the the team dynamics are very different you know you have you have like two guys and you have two two women and so you don't get in you get into um you don't get the 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 female issues and and you know guys are guys they're they're easier you know they forget things (laughs) (laughs) okay i'm not sure that's the case on some of the teams i've played on but uh. (laughs) but they, they you know they can Sort of forget and forgive and have a beer afterwards. Yeah, in most, okay. in, in most cases, yeah. women are different. Women women's teams are very very different. Yeah, it's interesting. All right, so I, the reason we have you on today is we're going to want to talk about stone matching, and you've just uh, published, I guess, a stone matching app, uh, and it's available. Is it only available for iOS, or is it also available for Google Play? No, it's only available for Apple. Uh, so iOS, um, and it's not really stone matching; it's uh, stone tracking. Okay, stone tracking. Yeah. So, can you tell us what it's called, and then why you decided to make the app? Okay, the app is called um, Curling Rockbook, and I've been wanting to create this for a lot of years, um, uh, but I had to wait until I was retired because. Um, you know, when you work for a tech company, they have all these intellectual property agreements that you have to sign and they own everything you think of while you're working for them. So, and I didn't, you know, I'm sure I could have gotten exemption stuff, but it's too much, too much bother. So, um, now that I was retired, I decided to build this because I have a little actual notebook you know, uh, pieces of paper, <laughs> writing in pencil, um, that I record any of any rock differences that, um, I see, uh, when I play at any club. And after a while, it was getting really hard flipping pages, trying to find the, you know, a certain club. And, and also like my book was getting, well, let's just say old and it was starting to fall apart. So I have pages all over the place. So I I thought an electronic version would be really, really useful. Yeah. So how how did you start? Okay. So for a lot of our listeners who may not be competitive curlers, they may not, I I think a lot of curlers are just like stones or stones, right? (laughs) So uh, competitive curlers, I think can become quite interested in, in stone differences. So can you first of all tell us why a team or a player might need a rock book? Like what, what's the advantage of having that? Well, um, you want to keep track of rocks that don't behave like the rest of your rocks. So, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's uh, a, a rock that glides further, uh, 
when you throw at the same speed or whether it's straighter or curlier. Um, and also, you don't want to have mismatched rocks given to your skip because that's, what, that's how you can lose games. Um, and like you said uh, before, I think, uh, you know, you usually give the, the crappiest rocks to the second. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I play second a lot, so I normally get the bad rocks. Yeah. yeah. So I don't, I, I don't know. I wouldn't call them bad rocks. They're just very, they're just not rocks that are the same as everyone, <laughs> all the other rocks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so... So you said you had a rock book for a long time. So is there anything that got you first interested in kind of stone differences or? Well, I mean, um, as a skip, it's very uh, disconcerting when you throw, when, you know, you throw the draw and it goes beautifully behind the guard. Then the other guy peels the guard and then you have to throw a guard yeah. and you put the broom in the same place. And guess what? It doesn't curl as much. And yeah. you lose the game. <laughs> yeah. um, also, when you're playing front end, you notice, hey, you know, the the guy threw the same speed, and the rock dies. And you know, you thought it, it you thought it was going to be T line, and it's like a guard. And and you knew you looked at it, and it just dies on you. And so you're going, hmm, maybe it's a different, you know, it might be different. So. And then it happens again, and you go, ooh, ooh. <laughs> so um, as you get better, you, you kind of notice uh, these differences more, I think. Yeah. And so, you know, I just started writing, writing these things down, and I discovered that I'm not the only one to write these things down. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a lot of other, a lot of other uh, curlers that, you know, sort of keep track. Everyone has, you know, I think a lot of people have their little book that says, oh, okay, yeah, you know, never throw that number eight yellow, right? Don't give that to the skip because that overcurls or, you know, it'll crash on the guard. It'll do things that you don't like. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think it was something that uh, uh, I thought was beneficial uh, to helping me win games uh, by making sure at the skip or, 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 if I was playing, wasn't playing skip, but, you know, making sure that the skip doesn't get the, the rock set and aren't matched. Yeah. So a lot of teams, a lot of competitive teams talk about matching curling stones. Does it, so does your team or the teams you play on spend time matching stones before a competition or? We do a lot of matching uh, at the, I guess, uh, WCF events. Uh, they allow us to do, to do practice the pre-event practice and in a lot of uh, the events there are evening practices hmm. so we match rocks during whatever practice we can do like if there aren't any evening practice and most of our pre-event practices matching at least the skips rocks hmm. the skip and vices rocks so that we can get at least a, a match set for the skip yeah it's not easy <laughs> uh -huh. to match rocks yeah it's it's a lot of work. Um, we use a, a, a set of Rockhawks, which is like a laser timing system to help us. Uh, and what that does is it determines um, the speed of the rock thrown at uh, the near hog line. And I know, I mean, if you don't have that, I mean, they're not, they're not cheap. 
you can also still use a stopwatch to do interval timing mm -hmm. so that you have um, some sense of the speed that's thrown. Because w when you're doing matching rocks, what you want to do is you want to throw every rock at the same target and around the same speed. But and then, you, you know, basically you're observing where the rock actually stops. Right. And for to match um, curl. Generally, you hope that the rocks stop within the same vertical line. Mm -hmm. uh, and but for speed, then what we do is like approximately like um, 0.01 meters per second. That basically the uh, the rock rocks give us a, a, a speed mm -hmm. um, equals about a foot of uh, of distance. Okay. And so you kind of go and look at you know the speed thrown versus um, and where it landed uh, compared to some, uh, you know, another rock. So it, it, it's not, um, I think it's basically comparing rocks, right, in your set. Yeah. So when you're doing the matching, uh, and so do you throw all eight stones then, or do you just throw two, two in a pair, or how do you try to identify matched stones? Well, I, if I have the time, I would be throwing all eight stones and and then and you know we're comparing them okay and are you are do you then try to identify stones that behave differently and retest them or are you looking for like the two closest behaving stones for an ideal match set um what we try to do you know again um if there's some anomalies we'll rethrow those ones okay to see if it's a cons if it's consistent anomaly right or yeah. if it's a thrower problem because you have to the other thing is you know you you also want to have the most consistent thrower uh doing the matching yeah, yeah. right um so like i said uh yeah we try to do all eight and then you know you look to see if the seven eight are are, are good if they're not then you try to find another pair that are are, are good um to give to the skip and then from then on it's you know uh some of it it's like if you see a really out a big outlier that's the one that's the that's the one that you want to give to a second <laughs> mm -hmm. but most of the time you don't see too many um uh bad rocks it's a, yeah. it's like one or two out of a set okay yeah so it's just it's just trying to identify those so what like for like an average curler, someone who's not competitive or maybe doesn't match stones, what do you think would surprise the average curler about the stone matching process? About the stone matching process? Well, um stones can change uh their behavior depending on uh the, the ice conditions. So like you might have matched the stones um on and usually we get we're uh, we get to match stones in evening practice where, uh, you know, the the ice is, I would call, old, okay. very used, right? Yeah. So you're trying to find a spot that's not as used when, when you're um, um, throwing. But uh, stones can change their behavior depending on the ice conditions. So if it's like new ice, like fresh, fresh ice, you know, first end, it might run really nice. And then maybe by like the fifth end, then it doesn't then you see the the tendency that you were looking at hmm. so it's not it, it you know it, there is a little um art <laughs> to it it's not all science i think it's not all deterministic 
And the other thing is, it's uh, also uh, stones also behave differently depending on how much rotation you have, right? And we all know that. And you know, if you have uh, like say one, a one rotation throw, that stone might beho behave totally different than someone who throws it like four four rotations, and you might not see the difference in a in a four rotation uh, throw versus a one rotation throw. Yeah. So when you're when you're looking at stones, what kind of information do you record about them? Uh, relative speed, relative curl, uh, which rocks should be paired with which, and which rocks go to the skip. Okay. <laughs> do, you, do you notice anything about the stones themselves? Do you look at like the the running surface or the striking band or? Um. Usually, the. Uh, uh, my husband notices like whether the there's like um little gaps in the in the running surface okay. where like it you know um bigger pores i think is what he he says okay. yeah. <laughs> uh or any um little defects on that running surface if you see any any of that it's a suspect stone that it could pick up uh dirt uh you know later in the game and that's again uh, a rock that you you probably don't want to give the skip. Yeah. You might not see it in the matching, uh -huh. but but that but it might come out you know late in in a game because like maybe you have the the ice is a little dirty and you and and it picks up something and it, it it's a rock that might uh, not behave um, as consistently as a, all the other rocks. Yeah, so like sometimes people talk about pits on the running band. It's like yeah. a little little hole or whatever. So you try yeah. to look for those. Yeah, if if there is any, like you can feel it. If you, as long as you know, if you if as you're trying to clean the rock, you can probably feel it. Yeah. So how do you make sure the stones haven't changed the last time you've used them? So let let's let, let's say, <laughs> you know, let's say you play a bond spiel every year in a club. <laughs> so you got your rock book. Then you go play in the club again, and then you know you start playing. You're going off the rock book information, but then halfway through the game, someone says, "Oh yeah, they resurfaced the stones in the last two months." What what do you do to make sure that doesn't happen to you? Or... You talk to the ice maker, okay. <laughs> and ask him the question. Um, for WCF, it's easy because they give you the serial number, so you you can you know match it through the serial number. Hmm. You ask if you know you have to ask if the rocks got redone like okay. uh sent back i mean i think the papering of, of the rocks um they do, it doesn't actually if you if they do it properly you know the characteristics are still there it's hmm. just that uh when, after you paper it, it just sort of curls more all of them curl more for people who don't know what papering is you mind explaining what that is and then why it might make the stones behave a bit differently uh, okay, so um, ice makers um, like to uh, sort of take some sandpaper and and sand and wrap up the, the bottom of the uh, rocks uh, every so many months. Um, and what that does is that makes the rock curl more because now it's a little rougher. Um, <laughs> I believe, I mean, this is my own personal belief, is that even if you paper the rocks, uh, the characteristics of the rocks still exist. 
you might see a lot more curl in all the rocks, but a straight rock will still not curl as much as the other rocks, even after mm. they've been papered. But again, you know, I'm assuming that you, the the ice maker knows what he's doing and he's doing it like you know, making like X number of turns <laughs> yeah. uh, on on the sandpaper, the same for every rock. So, all right. So how about this? So so obviously stone like understanding the characteristics of stones really matters to you. So can you think of some games where knowing about stone behavior has helped your team win? Help my team win? I'm not sure. I, uh, I know not knowing them helped my team win. <laughs> okay. Can you think of cases where like you lost because of bad stones or? Oh yeah. I mean, again, you know, uh, being a skip and you have that pig, yeah. <laughs> you know, your number eight rock is a pig, but they don't realize it's a pig because you've been throwing hits. And then, you you know, you have to throw that draw against four. And guess yeah. what? It's short. <laughs> yeah. And you go, uh-oh, right? And you're down four now, right? Instead of being, you know, it's, it's like a five-point thing. Yeah. Right? Have you, I know that some, like, elite curlers, like, I know, like, Eve Muirhead, for years had a reputation that she really liked having a cutter uh, in her pair. Cause she would like to try to draw behind a guard say, and it, it, you know, use it at a point in the game where then the other team couldn't catch it. Right. So have you ever tried to do that at all? Or like use a stone with certain characteristics to your advantage? Uh, no, um, not really because my team and I now I'll admit it. I'm not, good enough to figure out how much more ice to take so it doesn't fail on me okay <laughs> um so no i i i don't i know uh i'm when you watch on tv uh especially like uh glenn howard's team they do they do a lot of that where they go oh you know that's the number four i want the number four yeah. <laughs> right rock yeah. you know or uh, you know no this one's the straight rock make sure you, <laughs> you yeah. know you room it uh right but i i've noticed uh the more elite teams they they, they will um try to take the curlier rock uh to their advantage but sometimes it backfires right yeah yeah, you gotta you gotta know what you're doing. I think I think maybe that's like kind of elite level. That's where kind of using the stones to your advantage might come in. So, but if someone's listening and hasn't really thought about stone tracking or matching before, how would you advise them to start doing this? Um, I think a lot of it is observation. You know, uh, it's not like you get to uh, uh, match stones um, before a game <laughs> in a league game or anything. Uh, you can match stones like in a practice. You can, you know, if you if you have practice ice, you can you can uh, match stones. Hmm. Um, otherwise, you know, uh, it's all by observing rock behavior. And like as a sweeper, you can see if the rock, you know, is consistently slower than what you were expecting. Or um, and the other thing is, you know, you talk you talk about your observation with your with teammates and say and they go oh yeah that seems to dig you know uh quicker than than uh the number three rock or mm. or um, the skip like and the other thing is is that if your team throws consistent um you know uh then the skip 
can say, oh, that looks like it's a cutter, you know, because every time you every time you throw that one versus the other one, you know, it uh, curls a foot more and we crash on the guard. Okay, yeah. Right? But I, but you have to look at, uh, it's observation of rock behavior and, you know, trying to correlate uh, um, things that went wrong mm-hmm. and seeing if it, if it does it again, you know, within yeah. the game. And yeah. so you might not know, you might figure it out by, you know, uh, the fifth end and you're going, geez, if I had known by the first end, we would have we been winning. But, you know, that's why you record it for the next time. It's really, yeah. it's not necessarily in that game uh, that it might help you, but it might, it may help you in your next game on that sheet. Yeah, so it's a matter of kind of like, taking notes each time, thinking what the tendencies are, and then seeing if it, if they're consistent across time. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not going to name any names, but <laughs> I've played with a few people who perhaps go the other direction. So they become very obsessed with stones and kind of let the stone information get in their heads. So do you think there's dangers in thinking about stones too much? And do you have any tips for not obsessing too much about stone difference? Uh, yeah, um, I think uh, yes, you can you can obsess with it, but again, that's why you have to keep observing. You if you know the rock is curlier, and then you you know you give more ice, and it doesn't do it. It doesn't actually overcurl, and now it, you know it's not behind that that uh, guard that you wanted it to be. You go, hmm, okay. I'll, I'll I'll remember that, and then if it happens again, then you go maybe it isn't, you know, it isn't uh, a a cutter or you know a curly rock. Um, so you, it, it's all about yes, this might be, uh, but you still have to pay attention. Yeah. And adjust if if it isn't, and like I said, um, rocks uh, can change behavior depending on the ice condition. And the rock could also just be really dirty. Yeah. <laughs> like someone didn't actually, you know, clean clean the surface, and then it becomes a like a uh, a pig because well, it's dirty on the bottom. Yeah. Although I, I find that kind of useful too. Like if you notice, I, one one of my tricks is when I'm cleaning the stone. If there's a spot that's always picking up snow, I'm not sure if you ever noticed that. Like that can be like a sign that might be a pit there or something. Also, yes, right? yes, yes. And then of course that one you, you don't give to the skip. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then the other thing I have is that if the skip doesn't like the rocks, even though you think they're perfectly fine, just give him another uh, another set that you that you think are perfectly fine because you I mean it's gotten into his his or her head. You gotta just get rid of it. Yeah, yeah. No, I I'll always. <laughs> As I said, I, I played a lot of second in my career, so I'm normally the person who ends up with the bad stones or the, the not match stones or whatever. <laughs> but uh, I'll, I'll normally say, oh, my set's fantastic. You can have them. <laughs> like, and it's it's kind of head games. Make sure the skip's super confident, right? Right. <laughs> um, so I, we've both played in some WCF events together. And one of the questions Ryan threw in is, do you think – stone information should become standardized for stones that are used at national and world championship events. 
Well, um, I've noticed that uh, WCF has been providing um, the serial numbers, uh, the physical weight, and the diameter of each stone. And I think that that's probably the most that they should be providing, really. Because um, um, rock matching is very subjective. It's, it's, not a, it's not like a pure science or anything. Yeah. Yeah, I think they, they gave pretty detailed information at the last World Mixed. And uh, my team's very geeky. We have a science, we have, like a P, we have multiple PhDs on my team, but we had a scientist and he kind of then created an Excel plot graph about <laughs> <laughs> weight. I think it was weight versus weight versus running band width. Like they had. <laughs> and I remember, so you had the, and it was actually really beautiful. I was like, oh, this is a very elegant visualization. And our coach was like, I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> and he was just like, just go throw your damn stones is basically what he said to us. <laughs> so, um, uh, well, I think, um, I, we got some information from the American team and they, and they were going, oh yeah, the ones that are heavier, you might not, you know, you want to pair them up versus the ones that are lighter for some reason, you know, because they won't, if it's a little lighter, you know, it, it won't, uh, the momentum won't carry as far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I think a lot of it like the, the the thing I've always was told by ice makers is if it's a if it's a thicker running surface, those stones tend to run straighter. Ah, oh, okay. So that was the one. And I would kind of my coach was like, yeah, he'd heard that too. The other thing we'd heard, and I don't know if this is only a Scottish thing, but apparently in most curling rinks in Scotland, I can't remember if it's like they go from. I can't remember if it's by running band or by weight, but they kind of put all the stones of similar physical feature together on one sheet. So it's increasing across the sheets. Oh, that's cool. I don't, I have no idea if that's just like a Scottish thing or if that's done on like a lot of rinks, but the ice makers, ice makers do spend a fair bit of time trying to put like stones together with like stones. Yeah. I, I always thought that um, uh, when you buy a set of rocks that they're sort of matched, you know, from curling, can like uh, curling, uh, or Canada curling stone, or from yeah. uh, uh, the one, the other one, the the European one that you can get it from. From K's, uh, yeah, yeah, from K's, right? I think yeah. I think they do. They actually try to match them. I do know. So green, you played at Green Acres, I think, right? In like a world, yeah. Yes. So that's because it's Richard Harding owns that rink, and he's kind of a big, big person in the WCF. Like actually, a lot of the WCF stuff stored there. I know they use that rink to match the Olympic stones and they've got oh, yeah. like, you know, those like rock, those, I don't know what they're, the rock chucking things. Oh yeah. Yeah. The, 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 uh, the robot. Yeah. The robots. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. So yeah. These robots that like they chuck stones at identical speed to, for matching. So I know right. they often do the stone matching for WCF and Olympic stuff there, but I assume for curling clubs, it's just the same, right? They try to, to kind of match stones before they send them off. I'm assuming uh, because they're supposed to be matched, but you know, I don't think they put as much effort into it as the Olympic stones. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's more. To be honest, it's more like how how well does the rink uh, take care of the stones, right? I think that's the that's the the big issue. <laughs> like, I, and I, that can vary. I know some rinks that are just like take very good care of their stones and make sure they're matched and others they haven't touched them in like a decade right yeah yeah and so that probably <laughs> that's kind of the issue so turning back to your app 
Okay, so you designed it to kind of be a rock book. So how do you think it helps with stone matching or tracking? Well, it just keeps track of it. It gives you a, you know, it gives you a date that you entered the note. Uh, you can, um, you know, there's like a, a list of curling clubs, and then you can just drill down to the sheet, the color, and the rock, and you have you can have notes on every part. So you could you can actually add notes about you know sheet five of like uh, of Annandale, you know, has this big slope or something <laughs> so that you so you, you don't forget like you, you know some some curling clubs um have uh, uh characteristics i would say yeah. in, in their in in their curling sheets you know the end sheets are are you know, are like uh sloped or 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 maybe you know, maybe i don't know there's a broken pipe underneath you know sheet four or something and and there's it's always straight on one side like so you can so what it like my app allows you to write notes about the curling club about the sheet about the rock mm -hmm. uh, and it'll, it's easier to find Okay. Like in, instead of thumbing through pages, because, <laughs> and then you can you can always add more notes, right? And then you yeah. can see all the notes and your history of notes yeah. uh, on the rock or the sheet or the curling club. Um, so I think it's uh, electronically because it's also electronic. It's it's easier to 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 find things. Um, and find uh, the history, and you don't have to write a date, and you don't have to, you know, and 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 all the all I guess the notes for the same thing are, you know, right there on at your fingertips. Yeah. So, are there special categories for like speed and and running bandwidth, or is it just kind of open notes where you can put whatever you want about each stone? It's uh, open notes because everyone has their own way of describing, uh, you know, uh, uh, what the difference is. And so it's basically, you know, a personal note, right, of what you think is, uh, is that special characteristic or that thing that you want to remember about that rock or that sheet or whatever. Um, so do you think this would help? Like, obviously, I think competitive curlers are kind of, you know, obsessive about stone information. Do you think club curlers would find this useful as well? Uh, yeah, I do. Uh, I, I guess, it, I mean, a club curler can still be a competitive curler, yeah. <laughs> right? They don't have to be international curlers or elite curlers to still want to win, win, win games. And if, um, uh, uh, you know, a note on a rock is going to give them that edge, then I'm sure it will be useful uh, for them. And again, I think uh, it, it's, really useful if uh the rocks are very different right if the rocks are, are good then you know it, there's nothing to track right yeah. uh, and also the more consistent that uh you you or your team throws the more valuable it is also because you see the differences when and you and yeah you see the differences when you throw um consistently hmm. So do you have plans to make any other curling related apps or? Uh, no, but I'm hoping to put some more new features into my app. Um, I'm looking at uh, including a way of sharing uh, 
information to another user. Okay. Uh, so that you can share like um, uh, uh, your notes on a curling club. Hmm. And then I'm also looking at uh, adding a way to um, record uh, notes for a traveling set, like a WCF set or a Curling Canada set that, that goes, that moves to events from one event to another event yeah. where they give you serial numbers and stuff like that. So uh, that's the other, that's my other enhancement so far. Yeah. That's actually pretty useful because I think, I, I'm not sure if this Hong Kong Curling Association share their stone information amongst their teams or? I don't think, uh, uh, well, we do between the men's and the ladies. Mm -hmm. uh, and I mean, I, and of course, since oh, the mix is basically half of men's and half of ladies, then we do that too. Yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah but you know the mix hasn't been ha has hasn't been using traveling sets for the last couple of times no but i i know that like I mean, so eca doesn't which is a frustration for me but uh it's a separate podcast but um, <laughs> <laughs> but i was like because i was coaching in the G the world b's junior b's and then i was like I can't remember there's some other competition that use the same set. And I was like, well, we really should have shared info there, but. Yeah. Exactly. I, yeah. I mean, sharing the info is good. You may not um, see the same thing, but at least you, when you're matching, you can, you can have a look at those rocks that you think or the other person thinks are special. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So where can people find your app? What's it? First of all, what's it called? How much does it cost? Where can they find it? What what devices that does it work on? All the all the basic stuff. So it's in the Apple App Store. It's called Curling Rockbook. Really, really simple name. <laughs> um, it costs thirteen ninety nine uh, Canadian. I'm not sure uh, nine ninety nine. I think uh, US. <laughs> okay. Uh, it only works on iOS. Sorry, uh, you know, uh, I, I'm not, uh, I, I'm sort of the one and only person coding. So <laughs> uh, I, right now I don't have plans to move it to Android uh, just because that means a lot more learning of how, to, how that works. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, and there's no subscription. It's just uh, basically a one-time purchase. Right now, I don't know what subscription things I would I would actually put in my app if I if there was. Yeah. Okay, that's great. And so it's called the Rock Book app. No, it's called Curling Rock Book. Okay, Curling Rock Book. So Curling Rock Book on the on the App Store, the Mac, the iOS Mac uh, App Store. Yes. Okay. Fantastic. All right. Great. Uh, is there anything else you want to let our listeners know about before we wrap up here? No, but thanks for having me on your show. It was uh, great having a chat. Yeah, it was great to catch up, and I hope you do well in uh, Korea at the uh, at the World Seniors, and perhaps I'll see you next year at the World Next. Yep. All right. Thanks so much for joining us today, Ling. Thank you. Okay, so Jonathan, I do want to start off by saying, as someone whose grandfather in Desoto, Illinois 
raised pigs on his farm. I just want to say that the pig is a noble and intelligent animal and the, the disparaging the disparaging terminology used for bad rocks should be offensive to those who are friends of of this noble animal. <laughs> People who like bacon. Bacon also delicious. <laughs> All right. Are you being friendly to the pig if you eat bacon? Uh, you're appreciating the pig's contributions to society. Isn't naming a stone after the pig also appreciating its contributions to society? Not when it's a trash rock. <laughs> well, I, okay, I don't know if this is why, where it comes from, but I suspect the reason it's called a pig is because you have the hog line, and a slow stone is more likely to be hogged than a normal stone, right? Okay. So that's why people start calling. That's my that's my theory. I don't know okay. if that's why it's called the pig rock, but I'll I'll trust you. All right. But anyway, we learned a lot there. Um, what what was something that you didn't know about rock matching going into that interview? Um, I th- so I think Ling has a slightly different approach. I got, I don't think we're that far apart, but um. I think she's very like her style seems to be take notes constantly and just kind of take observations and kind of constantly write stuff down. I'm, I'm a bit less like that. I do have a rock book, but I don't take notes after every game. Like I'm not like there, there are curlers who I admire who do that. I take notes after everything they can tell you that 1977, they won, you know, (laughs) eight, six against some guy who's, you know, long since past this earth. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I'm when I do it, it's far more like it's done normally in a competition where you have practice time, you've got time to kind of run the stones up and down and check it, kind of thing. Um, so I don't know if it was like a different understanding of it, but I think that actually, in some sense, her approach of taking notes all the time is probably better because that means you're always thinking about the stones and making observations. Is there a point where? that kind of gets in your head and you're thinking too much about the stones. Yeah. I'm, I am, I have played with some people who <laughs> every rock is a pig rock, right? <laughs> and it's not, and I'm as a coach who spends a fair bit of time looking at deliveries. I may be like, you know, maybe it's your, dece- maybe it's your decelerating really quickly, or maybe you're pulling back on the stone as you let it go, or it's getting caught in your finger. Like there's other, possible explanations for why a stone may behave more slowly than um, the others. That being said, there definitely are, you know, there's, there's not perfect matches in sets. There's always kind of subtle differences, but to really notice and take advantage of those subtle differences, you've, you've got to be throwing in the 80, 90% area consistently. And, you know, 99% of curlers out there aren't doing that. I was about to say, then why do you match rocks? <laughs> I mean, basically it does two things. You're, you're like, for us, we're trying to eliminate, we're trying to identify, are there any problem rocks? Right. So, and then it, what Ling said is, I think right. Like her thing is that the most important thing is to find a pair that you can give to the skip with confidence. Right. So that's number one. Number two, I've like, I've played second a lot competitively in my career. I am normally the person that takes the bad stones. And uh, I will confess to have on occasion said to the skip, oh, well, just take my set. They're 
they're fantastic. They're the best. <laughs> perfectly matched, right? <laughs> so I'm, like, I'm like, all right. Then I'll get the the so-called pig and I'll throw it and I'll go flying through the house. I'm like, it doesn't seem that heavy to me, but I'll just you know adjust it and not tell the skip that I'm doubting my skip's infallible judgment. And uh, <laughs> we just kind of go on with the game, right? Um, yeah, I think I think... I think identifying problem stones is kind of the most important thing. And you can, you certainly can. I certainly are cases where I've identified stones that are like six to eight feet different from the rest of the set. Uh, I, the other, the big issue that Ling was talking about in terms of pits in the running surface, that's, that can be an issue too. It's not so much that it may be faster or slower, but that stone then could be more prone to picking. And so you might want to set that aside because obviously the worst thing is to get a, get a pick on the last rock of the end, right? So you may put that somewhere else too. And the pitted surface is less likely to be a problem when you're throwing up weight, so. So that's why the bad rocks always go to the second. Uh, I, I mean, the, the, the theory is, it's either the second or the lead. The theory is that the lead is throwing more weight-sensitive shots. And, you know, a lead's often got to make a must-come-around or a must-guard, so you don't want them throwing a, a weight a weight sensitive shot with a stone that's not normally weighted whereas the if you're the second and you're throwing the bad stone you try to pick the hit to throw it away on if you can so which of course invariably as soon as you've got the pig you end up being forced to play a bunch of draws so uh, <laughs> it never works out that way all right well jonathan thank you so much for this interview and thank you so much to Ling for taking the time to talk to us. If you're interested in getting started with rock tracking, rock matching, go ahead and download Ling's app. Thank you for listening to rocks across the pond, a curling podcast. If you enjoyed this show, we ask you to please leave a review or tell a friend about us. Your referrals to friends and family are the greatest compliment we can receive and is what allows our show to grow and share our love of this great game. You can find all of our past shows and blog posts at rocksacrossthepond.com. If you have a question or comment, you can reach us at rocksacrossthepond at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to us, and we will talk to you again real soon. <laughs>